Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Rineker, Justin Charles, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another live edition of the Dogs Podcast. Just Josh and Blake here today. Uh, Justin got ill last minute. We thought he was going to be here today. So he wasn't able to make it. He was even going to try virtual, but he's just too sick. Um, So he wasn't able to hop on. And then we put out some calls to Kenny Mack, and he texted us back literally just as we were about to hit go live. So Kenny, if you're so close, Kenny, yes, if you're in here, we were (laughs) just about to uh, go live when he texted us back. We already had everything unplugged and whatnot. So uh, it's just going to be Josh and I today. Uh, Hopefully we can. Still keep you guys excited. I know Justin's like the good looking one. Uh, he is. He's got that nice beard. But we used to do what? Yeah. We did a lot of Blake and Josh shows. Yeah, back in the back day. Back in the day. So back when we didn't have full commitment. No. <laughs> Those uh, were the cop days. Yeah. Uh, today we got a good episode. We're going to get into the Browns uh, hiring. Obviously, big news this week with Ken Dorsey. Uh, obviously, we also, I don't know if we've officially said it on the show, but we hired Deuce Staley for the running back coach, uh, hired the D line coach. Jacques Césaire, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, maybe somebody can put a phonetic spelling in the chat. Help me out. Uh, then we're going to talk about these uh, the AFC Championship game, uh, the NFC Championship game, maybe get into Stump Mitchell a little bit, uh, kind of talk about Pat Mahomes, Lamar. We're going to get into a little bit of everything. I think it's going to be a good episode. Uh, so make sure you guys are hanging out with us for the entire two hours that we're going to be here. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, before we get into it, though, remember, if you want to get your intros on the show, head to the dogspodcast.com. Tap leave voicemail on the drop down menu. While you're there, you can also head to the shop and get yourself some of our merch. Uh, very important. You guys have about a week to get in your votes for the Mad Dog Awards. So head to the dogspodcast.com slash vote. We want to get as many votes as possible. Uh, I expect everybody in the dog pack to vote at least one time. Uh, so make sure you guys are jumping in there. Please vote. It literally takes a minute, if that, to, to vote. Uh, and the more votes we get, the more fun the award show is. So head to the dogspodcast.com uh, slash vote to cast your votes for the uh, fourth annual dog pack. 
or uh, dog mad dogs mad dog awards <laughs> i was getting ahead of myself There's a lot of dogs yeah uh so make sure you guys do that for us if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe make sure you tap the notification bell so you don't miss any of the new content we're putting out you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok if you prefer to just listen to the show you can find us on apple spotify and google lastly if you're looking for more dogs content head to join the dogs.com become an official dog pack member on the patreon page access to the private discord uh play fantasy football with us once uh football season rolls around you get an extra episode every week sometimes you get to be on episodes it's just a good time uh, especially in this off season i we would literally talk every single day in the discord so mm-hmm. i talk to some of these people more than i talk to my family members so if you're looking for some good cleveland browns camaraderie uh college football is big in there and we're all across the country so there's sec fans i doubt there's any pac-12 fans because there aren't any uh, <laughs> but there, there's you know there's a little bit of everything in there so if, if you just want to meet a bunch of good people from all over talk browns football uh and just kind of hang out head to the dogs uh join the dogs.com become an official dog pack member so Moving into, uh, you know, the big news of the week for the Browns, uh, hiring Ken Dorsey to be our offensive coordinator. I'm not going to lie, and especially if you, <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter, formerly or X, formerly known as Twitter, as soon as the news broke, I, I, I retweeted it and was like, I freaking hate this move. And you said that on last week's show whenever the Browns had already brought in Ken Dorsey for an interview, and you said, pretty sure this is the quote, I want no part of Ken Dorsey. Yeah, I wanted no part of him. Um, and and now that I, I so I, then I took time. It was kind of coming from a place of ignorance. It was kind of on the surface. You look Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator of the Bills. They got better when he was gone. They won more games. Went on a streak after he got fired. We don't want this guy. Then you start to look a little bit deeper, and you're like, well. Actually, their offense wasn't statistically better. Correct. Uh, when he left, it got worse. They did. I think, at least from what I can tell, they ran the ball more, took the ball away from Josh Allen some, uh, so he couldn't turn it over as much. Yeah, and they said the defensive improve or the defensive side of the ball improved over that second half of the season. So it's kind of like a double edged thing where the defense was sucking the first half. They were five and five, and yeah. And but one thing that was that was brought to my attention that I definitely, and I kind of knew this based on him being on my fantasy team. Um, Stefan Diggs with Ken Dorsey this year, played 10 games, had 73 catches, 868 yards and seven touchdowns. Wait, how many yards? So 868. I didn't realize he had that many. Okay. Wow. Okay. In the nine games without Ken Dorsey this year, he had 44 catches, 388 yards and one touchdown. I know he got... He, he like disappeared. Like yes, it, trust me, it cost me. <laughs> I know, I remember. Yes, yeah, you were. He, he just and livid. I'm not. I'm not saying like force feed him the ball, but at the end of the day, Stephon Diggs is outside of Josh Allen. He is their best offensive weapon, and they had people talking like Stephon Diggs was all of a sudden washed. Well, then why in the first ten games? I mean, he was on track for uh, 1,600 yards, 1,700 yards, and uh, 14, 15 touchdowns. He's not washed. They just. Uh, the offense didn't get better. Like you said, the defense got better. They Maybe they became more balanced. I know, I do know that Ken Dorsey is not a run-the-ball kind of guy. He, he, he builds his offense very quarterback-centric, very quarterback-dependent. Now, I know Browns fans probably don't want to hear this. That's the way the Browns are going to go. I do have, we'll get to it. I've got a whole list here. We'll go through all this stuff about Ken Dorsey. But on the running side, I actually do have some good news. Now, you're right. It's definitely going to be pass-happy. It's quarterback focused. Everything you just said is true. 
but running back efficiency is a key thing that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was a big thing in terms of like, um, in, in terms of like Stefan Diggs production. Uh, I mean, he disappeared after Ken Dorsey left. Uh, so I know people were kind of giving me crap on Twitter about my initial reaction. The more I think about it, I, I still, I think I want Kevin to call plays still. Me okay. too. I think I still want Kevin to call plays. I've seen a lot of people saying that is a bad thing. Like, what's it matter? Who cares if it's Ken Dorsey or somebody else? Kevin's never going to give up play calling. And my response keeps being, okay, do well, we want him to give up play calling? Yeah, he's good at it, turns out. Um, but if he does give up play calling, I'm still not going to. I heard, I saw a thing from Terry Pluto. I don't know. He obviously reports on the Browns and writes books. I don't know how in the know he is, though, with current locker room. Uh, talk. He did say that there's serious consideration of Ken Dorsey calling plays, but it's it hasn't been officially decided yet. Um, but I I do think no matter what happens, Kevin Stefanski is going to have a firm grip on the offense, and I don't think it's going to just turn into Deshaun's not going to be coming out here throwing the ball 60 times a game, and we're just going to completely abandon the run game. I think the way this this works out well for the Browns is it's like a a, a marriage between yeah. what Kevin want, likes to do and then what Ken Dorsey likes to do. I think if we can blend these two offenses together, it could be something like really good. You know what I mean? If you keep these run game concepts mm-hmm. and you mix in what Ken Dorsey can bring in the pass game. So like what some people don't know about Ken Dorsey, and I didn't even know this until I started you know, looking this up, he was the quarterback's coach for um, Carolina when Cam Newton, I think it was his MVP season. Yes, I actually have a... Do you want me to go ahead and yeah, kind of go, go through some of this stuff? Okay, so Ken Dorsey, when he first got into the NFL, was the QB coach for the Panthers, like you said, from 2013 to 2017. Ken Dorsey guided Cam Newton to 17,154 yards and 118 touchdowns in four seasons. I broke that down. That means Newton averaged 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns a season with Dorsey as his quarterback coach. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's been credited for helping guide Newton to the 2015 MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and the Super Bowl appearance that season. And Cam Newton, after Dorsey was hired away from Carolina by the Bills, Cam Newton came out and said, I credit a lot of my success to Ken Dorsey. He is an extremely hard and efficient worker. He made my life as easy as possible. Not only is he a hard worker, but he has a vibrant killer instinct. He's a known, proven winner over the years. Oh, well, you know he is a... um like he's a fiery guy. There, oh, there, yeah. There's definitely some contrast in terms of um, <laughs> personalities. Yes. Uh, when it comes to the coaching staff, like I don't know how fiery Bubba Ventron is. Uh, is a special teams coordinator. I don't know how often I get we get to see him uh, get fired up. But like Jim Schwartz is a fiery guy. Yep. Kevin, St- I get the sense of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are like very chill and mellow and even keeled. Now you're getting Ken Dorsey. Everybody's seen that video of like yeah. Alan turned it over <laughs> something and he just completely loses his mind up uh-huh. in the booth. Uh, so that you're getting a, you're getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything, which could be good people. One of the things that I mean, and again, fans will criticize anything, but you do hear it a lot. Well, Kevin needs to show more emotion. He's get more in, in, you know, the referee's face on this or that or the other. And I feel like Dorsey's personality is kind of like the anti Kevin. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's not that stoic, calm, cool, collected throughout the whole game. He's gonna lose his freaking mind if something goes bad. I saw um 
Oh, I just had something on the tip of my tongue. It says, I hope Stefanski's calling plays, but Dorsey has strong input on the style of plays being called. I completely yes, agree. exactly. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I'm hoping. I see uh, digs to Browns. I actually thought that. Like, Interesting. Is, you know, is that, is that a possibility? I don't know. I just uh, I think the Browns are going to have their eyes on some of these top free agent wide receivers. I just don't know. Until we see what they can do with the cap, and how they're going to manipulate the cap and who they're going to restructure. It's hard to put out a list of like, oh, yeah, these are good targets for the Browns. I mean, we because we don't, as of right now, we can't afford anybody. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, they might be able to sign me because, I mean, I'll play for free. Uh, <laughs> but uh, outside of, you know, me or you, I don't know who they have the money to sign right now. So until we see what Andrew Barry comes up with in terms of restructuring con- uh, contracts, people getting cut uh, and that kind of stuff, it's hard to identify top free agents that we're going to actually pursue. Yeah, there's definitely money that can be found because I was kind of playing with some over-the-cap stuff. I mean, pre-June 1st cuts and trades, post-June 1st cuts and trades, there, there's money to be had. So we're going to see some changes, but we'll get into that as the offseason rolls on. Um, did you want to talk about anything else before I kind of go into the next portion of Dorsey's resume here? Go ahead. I still have whatever I was going to say on the, like in my brain, okay. and I can't think of it. Well, so just cut me off if you figure it out. All right. So then he was the quarterback, got hired as the quarterback's coach in 2019. So it's not like he got promoted to offensive coordinator. He came over to Buffalo as the quarterback coach. Josh Allen had a 17.4 increase in his quarterback rating that season. It was the largest improvement of any quarterback in that season. So Josh Allen took his leap when... Uh, Ken Dorsey came over to Buffalo in 2020. Josh Allen was second in MVP voting. So there he has Cam Newton win an MVP as Josh Allen second in MVP voting. This is pretty good track record. Uh, Josh, Josh Allen had a 69.2 completion percentage, 4,544 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, eight games with 300 plus passing yards. Those were all team records. He put another nine touchdowns in on the ground. And then in 21, Dorsey's promoted to passing game coordinator, still not the OC. Josh Allen had a 149 QB rating in the playoffs for the whole playoffs. Most all time for somebody who passed for over 50 or threw over 50 passes in the postseason. Then in 2022, promoted to OC in Buffalo. Uh, and I, I know a thing. Some people are like, why are you guys giving him so much credit for some of these quarterback stats uh, when he's just like their quarterbacks coach? He's not, you know, he's not the offensive coordinator. What are two things that you could probably say like Cam Newton and Josh Allen had in common coming into the league and maybe even throughout their careers? Mechanics. Raw you, you prospects. Know, raw, mm-hmm. that, you know, not necessarily projects because they, they were they were drafted high, but they were looked at as raw. I, Josh I, Allen was... Small school. Yes. I would say he's more of a project. Yeah, I mean, Cam, I mean, Cam Newton was from Auburn, won national championship, but Josh right. Allen definitely from the small school and definitely seen as a raw talent. Had the huge arm, was super athletic, but he, he completed under 60% of his passes Accuracy in college. bad. Yes, yeah. and even his first year, it was his first year, maybe two, I'm not exactly sure two. when. Um like his accuracy wasn't great. And then he took that huge leap once Ken, when Ken Dorsey comes in to be his quarterback's coach. So he, he knows how to coach up a mobile quarterback who maybe isn't like the most, like you got your guys like Tom Brady where it's all mechanics, you know what I mean? Because right. he's just not like a freak athlete. You know, you get guys like Josh Allen and Cam Newton coming up a lot through their careers. They, they were just so much more athletic, bigger, faster, stronger, big arm than everybody they played against. And they were able to rely on that and dominate the competition. You get to the NFL where everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. It comes down to mechanics. Mm-hmm. And that's where a good quarterback coach comes into play. And you saw him take Cam Newton in tournament into an MVP. And then you saw him take Josh Allen, who honestly, like – 
there was, I mean, not calling him a bust. You could see some of the flashes, but it was like just a lot more of the same of Josh Allen in college. Low completion percentage, inaccurate, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom. And a lot of people contributed to Dayball and Diggs. And lost in that is the fact that Ken Dorsey also came in to be the quarterback's coach. Right. I know a lot of people always say, oh, if the Browns would have just drafted Josh Allen instead of Baker Mayfield. There's no saying that Josh Allen comes to Cleveland, that raw prospect, that super inaccurate passer, and does anything like he's doing in Buffalo when he's got Hugh Jackson and was it uh, Todd Haley and Freddie Kitchen. I mean, listen, there is... I've been very hard on Baker. It's well documented. Okay. I know exactly what you're going to say. I loved him when he came in. It's who I wanted. And then the longer we had him, just the more I was like, this isn't the guy. That being said, I've also, I don't know if there's another quarterback who mentally is just like cocky enough and gritty enough and just doesn't give a a fuck enough that could have come into Cleveland and stuck it out and made it four years in Cleveland during that transition. hundred percent agree. I, I really do agree with that. Like, so again, I might've not, I might've been happy to move on from Baker in terms of like a talent perspective, but he a hundred percent was part of the turning of the culture and he stabilized a position long enough for us to be able to build up a roster around him. And up until Baker, we had never had a guy who was even good enough just for us to be like, okay, for a couple seasons, we don't got to worry about this guy. Yeah. We can build up the, the, the roster around him and quit trying to just and find the future in the first round every single time. And he was able to do that. I mean, and we owe, we owe Baker for that. Again, I've been hard on the guy offensively. I don't think, you know, I've been on the record as saying, I didn't think he could take us to the promised land, but there's no denying that he afforded us the chance to build up into a potential championship rostered by being there every week, showing up, playing, and playing well enough that we didn't have to to blow top-end draft picks on quarterback every single year. And I don't know if there's another quarterback who could have dealt with it. Yeah, no, I especially, I mean, if you just look at that draft class, I don't I don't think there is. Yeah, it wasn't I, Darnold. I'd be surprised. Yeah, it was not Darnold. It wasn't no. Darnold, and, and, and who knows with Allen, you know what I mean? But I feel like they were a lot more patient with him up in Buffalo than people would have been with him down here in Cleveland. That is true. There's very little patience down here. Um so let's move into 2023 this season. So this is what everybody's kind of talking about. This is kind of where I think your initial reaction to Ken Dorsey. I mean, mine too. I mean, honestly, when I saw the Browns were bringing him in, I was like, really? I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about him. But once I started digging, it was like, okay, this is interesting. So the Bills were 5-5 five and five before he was fired. But the Bills were also second in points scored, third in DVOA, first in success rate, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion rate, third in red zone efficiency, second in rush expected points added, eighth in drop back expected points added, third in total expected points added per play. And Josh Allen was number one in EPA plus CPOE composite. I don't know what the hell all that stuff means (laughs) exactly, but I do see a lot of top 10 and mostly top three. In, in most of these categories. Yeah, like you said, it was a lot of the defense and, and Josh Allen turning the ball over, uh, which I think sometimes people really bag on Josh Allen for his turnovers. It, whenever you score touchdowns at the rate he does, though, and his usage is is so high. I mean, th- that that's why I am looking. I don't want this to be an 100% Ken Dorsey offense. I want this to be a blend of what Kevin does and what Ken does. And somebody mentioned Tommy Reese. Yes. Uh, like we brought in a lot of guys who have different offensive perspectives to kind of try to build this thing up around Deshaun. I don't want, even though I think 
Deshaun's the catalyst for this team going forward. We need him to play at an MVP level to be good. I'm still not trying to, like, put the world on him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to have to carry the load for 17 games for us to be good. And because then that then the turnovers do come up. But Josh Allen just turns the ball over a lot. Yep. But he also scores touchdowns. And, I mean, he had, you know, a thousand more touchdowns than everybody else this year. Like, I, I think if you, if you add up all his touchdown, his touchdown to turnover ratio is still, like, well over two to one. Well, and that's just kind of his style of play, too. Like, he's not afraid to just chuck it, you know, and chuck it and F it. So, it's he's just... a gunslinger. It, yeah, it just... I mean, you get that with that. It comes with the territory, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, I put in here a lot of people saying, and I've seen this all over the place, he was the scapegoat, you know, for, for everything. And I think there might be some truth to that. There was... We talked about the poor defensive play in that those first 10 games and the massive drop-off from Diggs after that. And then the running backs, I, I didn't know this. They had four lost fumbles that led to scores for the opponent during those first 10 games. So, you know, the, the losses is almost like they did blame Ken Dorsey for it whenever I don't think really he, it was his fault. And then if you look at these stats, and this is where people were sending us the stats, you know, the, the graphics and things, the Bills dropped in every category. They went down to sixth in points scored. They were second. Fourth in red zone efficiency, they were third. So basically stayed the same. Sixth in total EPA, they were third. Eighth in drop back EPA, that was the same. But they dropped to seventh in rushing EPA, they were second. Josh Allen dropped all the way to ninth in that EPA CPOE composite. He was number one. And he uh, kind of stayed the same as far as QBR goes. But the passing attempts... I mean, it, the, the offense completely flipped on its head. They, they, they became a lot more balanced, which, I mean, I guess you could make the argument if, you're, if, if your quarterback is struggling to not turn the ball over and your defense is struggling, run the ball and control the clock. So you'd like to think an offensive coordinator would kind of maybe adjust. Mm-hmm. But again, this is where Kevin comes in. You know what I mean? With yeah. his Because Kevin schemes up a great run game. Oh, and I don't even hate his passing. No, because I think we, there's so, things that, we see how open guys are. I think there's things that can be done to modernize it. Uh, you see people do that cheap motion. We never do yeah, that. Right. Uh, and stuff like that. But no, I, I think this could be a really good thing. There were just other guys that I had my, my eye on. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when we drafted uh, Newsom. Dude, I saw somebody say that. Somebody was like... <laughs> it reminded me of yeah. when we drafted, and I had my eye on Bateman, mm-hmm. and uh, was it JOK? Yes. Is that the same draft? Yeah. And I had my eyes on these guys, and we drafted Newsom, and everybody who watched that night, we were like less than thrilled to have Newsom, <laughs> and it makes me feel terrible about it. And then it right. was like, the very next day, I was like, well, hell, this guy's good. Yeah. You know? And then I, like, I started looking into it more and more, and I was like... No, okay, and you know we're all big Newsom fans, so it, it was kind of that same reaction. Some people were giving me crap on Twitter, and I said, "Guys, at the end of the day, I'm just a Browns fan, right?" I you saw know what that. I mean. Yeah. And, and I have, I know we do a podcast, but I'm far from an analyst. <laughs> Is you know, well, maybe I am, uh, but uh, I'm far from an analyst on here. I'm just a Browns fan, and I had guys I wanted in mind. I saw was the guy who I had towards the bottom of my list in. Uh, admittedly, is because I hadn't done enough research on him. Uh, but I just know, I, like, I like the idea of the guy from the Rams getting a guy out of the mm-hmm. Sean McVay coaching tree. Uh, I like the guy from the Texans who did so well with CJ Stroud and their offense. So, like, I had, I just had my eyes on some other guys. Then we hired this guy. And I was like, God, come on, why would we? In like, again, yeah. maybe he'll be great for us. But Ken Dorsey's 
and may, hopefully he can change this narrative. Ken Dorsey is always going to be the guy <laughs> that we beat in the national championship. Yeah. Like that's just, he's always going to be that guy to me. And hopefully he can change that my mind on that. Maybe I'll get to shake his hand one day. Uh, I'm pretty sure too. I saw when he played for the Browns for, I think it was two seasons. He walked away with zero touchdowns and seven interceptions. So it wasn't like <laughs> the, his uh, college play kind of followed. You know what they say? Yeah. Those who can't do coach. Exactly. Yes. So, uh, I mean, that's how it goes. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, the Super Bowl is decided, and the rat turds are not going to be there. It's the Chiefs taking on the San Francisco 49ers on February 11th, but before the big game, make sure you guys get your orders in at Omaha Steaks. Don't throw your Super Bowl parties or, you know, even your Valentine's Day meals because, let's face it, that's coming up too, guys, real fast. Do not host these events without the best meats and foods available from Omaha Steaks. Right now, when you order at omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, you will get four free pork chops and four free boneless chicken breasts with your order. That's eight free additional items when you place your order right now at omahasteaks.com slash dogs. I've been saying it forever. Best steaks, best burgers, steak burgers. Oh my gosh. The best chicken, the best ready to eat meals, the desserts for Valentine's Day. I'm telling you, you make sure you add the caramel apple tartlets to your order. She's going to love them. So go now, get it in time for all the big things happening coming up here in February, omahasteaks.com slash dogs. What's up, Browns fans in Ohio? If you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook yet, now is the perfect time to do so with the NFL playoffs underway. New customers will get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,000 when signing up with our promo code DOGS1000. That means if your first bet loses, you will get your full wager returned as a bonus bet up to $1,000. Caesars offers daily profit boosts as well as Caesars rewards credits on every wager, which can be redeemed for bonuses, sports tickets, and other VIP experiences. If you're ready to join Caesar Sportsbook, go download the app and register with our promo code DOGS1000 to make sure your first bet is covered. Offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you can qualify. Um, The last thing, though, that I wanted to say about Dorsey is about that run game. So I alluded to that earlier because I was reading this and I think it was on Brown's wire earlier and they were talking about how Stefanski runs more of like a pin and pull outside zone run scheme, which we all saw was not good this year. It just wasn't good. It wasn't efficient. It sucked. We, we, we were terrible on the ground for the most part. So I know we lost Nick Chubb, but that drop off in efficiency, that wasn't just a running back skill thing. In my opinion, I, I think it had a lot to do with the scheme I was looking at next-gen stats, NFL next-gen stats. Jerome Ford was the second least efficient running back in the NFL this season. I did see a thing, though, that maybe will surprise you, and it surprised me. And, again, I'm not saying he was great or anything. Mm-hmm. Did you Jerome Ford had over 1,100 all-purpose yards and, like, a pretty decent amount of touchdowns. He did, and that's – I think John the one day said he's kind of like, what, Saquon Light, where it's like <laughs> – Here's a yard, here's a yard, here's a yard, boom, home run, 50-yard run. And it's like, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from, like, Jerome's season on on the whole. It was good. He put up good numbers. But, but over, you said not efficient. Not efficient. It was very right. high usage to get to get some of that. Right. So, and, they, again, this is all coming from NFL Next Gen Stats. So, they had him 
listed as the second least efficient running back in the NFL, and he also had the highest time behind the line of scrimmage. That, of that's any what, running that's, back in the NFL. And I think that is what killed Browns fans on him this year. Yep. It, it, it just, you could see it. He was just dancing behind the line. Some of it was lateral, was, lateral, lateral. Yes, you know, no huge holes for him to run through. But at the end of the day, is sometimes you get, you just make the hole. You just put your head down and, and run through a couple arm tackles and get three yards. Yeah. So Kareem Hunt was the seventh least efficient running back. So both of our running backs were not efficient this year. And then I went back and I looked. Okay, well, what happened last year in twenty two when uh, Ken Dorsey was running the offense in Buffalo and Devin Singletary was their lead running back? He was the seventh most efficient running back in the league. Okay. I mean, that, that could be him, could be Dorsey, whatever, but his time behind the line of scrimmage was 2.72 to compare Fords this season. Remember he was the last was 3.16 and the highest in 2022 was actually Nick Chubb at 3.1 time behind the line of scrimmage. So this run scheme almost forces the running backs because now it's not just Ford and Hunt that are have a high time behind the line of scrimmage. It was also Nick Chubb last year. He had the mo- uh, highest last year. Yeah, he, I did not know that. No, and again, you can look at this a couple different ways. You know who else probably had a super high time behind the line of scrimmage? It would have been like prime Le'Veon Bell. That was definitely his running style. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so like if, if your running back is – the problem is, is – you. There's a difference between patience and indecisiveness. <laughs> that's you know what I mean. Very Nick true. Chubb is a very patient back. He will he will he will wait wait wait. He's setting up his block, but he knows where he's going. Then he makes his cut and goes. Okay. Jerome Ford is it, it wasn't he's waiting to set up a block. It's he's searching where to go. You know what I mean? Totally agree. And, and so I think there's a difference between patience and indecisiveness. Uh, Gates says bla- draft Blake Corum. I definitely think that's an option for the Browns if you can get him at a certain uh, place in the draft. Uh, Devontae Travis says, um, he said it on the Facebook post, air raid offense, more spread, two to three wide receivers on the field, moving guys around the field. A good coach will always correct the small things like a DW4 uh, play action fakes. I totally agree. Those are things you can work on. You, I mean, you hell, you got Joe Flacco film now of – of him doing these play action that you can, you can make a cut up and show Deshaun coming into next year. Like look at how Joe carries out these fakes. Look what it opens up for him in the passing game. And you can use that as a teaching point um, to, to the Browns fans who might be worried. Like, Oh, we went and got this guy. We're talking air raid. We're going to be throwing the ball around. Like welcome to the modern NFL mm-hmm. um, because and I know it, it sucks. We don't know one when Chubb is going to be able to play. He, he- most likely started the year on pup. Yes, we so we don't know. Two, you don't know what he's gonna be like when you when you get him back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and and we we traded three first round draft picks and we paid Deshaun two hundred thirty million. He's gonna be the you don't do that to make this guy be a game manager. If that was the case, we just would have kept Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? And some people are like, yeah, we could have kept Baker and we'd have all these but that team's not winning the Super Bowl. Did you watch championship weekend? You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. got to go, you got to go beat Pat Mahomes. This was a year. I was saying that if there's one team I wanted to play in the playoffs, it was the Chiefs. They're in the freaking Super Bowl. I don't. I, <laughs> the, the Chiefs are 100 percent the new Patriots, and we can, we'll talk about them here in a second. Yes. But I just I won't bet against them anymore. No, not until they lose. And, and so it's one of those things. Yes, you can game manage your way to 10 wins, 11 wins, playoffs. But you got to have a guy who can be a difference maker when the play breaks down yeah. that can make some plays for you. And, and, and that's you, – you're going to build the offense. You saw the Cowboys move away from Zeke 
and go to a more Dak-centric offense. It hasn't ha- worked out for them because they're the Cowboys. They'll forever suck. Some people say we're the Browns. We'll forever suck. I'm hoping that's not true. Uh, <laughs> they were still good. They made the playoffs. They were they were a formidable team all season. You know, just they, they end up choking in the playoffs, unfortunately, for them. But, you know, it kind of goes back to, I don't think a lot of Browns fans that, you know, do the whole Baker-Deshaun argument. I know we weren't going to talk too much about that tonight on the agenda, but we were going to have to pay Baker 40 plus. Yes. I, I annual salary, 40 plus million dollars a year, you know, at that time, if we were going to extend him, otherwise he wasn't going to sign. That was the discussion. And so Deshaun being at like, what is he? 47 or something right now. I don't know. I just I, saw like Kirk cousins is looking for like at least 40 million a year or something to sign a two year extension or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, and he's coming off an Achilles. Yes. At 30, what? Five or six. And, and that's one of those things like, yes, Baker can game manage you. Uh, when you have this roster around him. But if you, you pay him all that money, you're not going to put that roster around him, and you need somebody to elevate. We we are yet to see if Deshaun can be that guy to elevate. But the move tells you we put more stock in the fact that he will be that guy than we thought Baker could be that guy. He's like, what, what do you think is going to happen in, in Tampa Bay if they lose Mike Evans? It's going to be rough going. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. it's in – if they give Baker a ton – I don't know what their cap situation is like. So, I don't know. Can they afford to, to give Baker a big contract and pay Mike Evans? Maybe they can. Um, but that, that's why you make the move because you're not going to be able to put an absolute stacked roster around everybody all the time. Um, did you get to watch Andrew Barry's press conference or the show that I did with Kenny last week? Uh, about it? I watched some of it, yes. Okay. Did you see the well, – so, the comments that Andrew Barry made about Deshaun Watson – about the 10-year time frame made total sense to me. And I don't know if everybody was expecting that, but as soon as he said it, I'm like, that makes sense. He said when they brought him in, when they made the trade, when they signed him, we looked at it as a 10-year timeline. Yeah. Not, a, I mean, it's a five-year contract, but a 10-year timeline. And I'm, I'm doing research and stuff. I'm trying to put together, I want to put together a little episode on void years and contract restructures and things like that because that's what they're doing with Deshaun. They're tacking on these void years to spread out that, cap over now his contract's only five years but they're trying to spread it over more than that yeah like a Shohei Otani deal yeah <laughs> uh no again and that's why you can give him all this money because you know you're just going to keep restructuring it and spreading it out and like if you think his cap hit's going to be 60 some million next year you guys are crazy <laughs> it's not you know what I mean it's it's not gonna be uh they, they got this planned out um somebody says sign T Higgins and then another person says T is going to get tagged. I don't know if he'll get if he gets tagged. It's twenty. It's a little it's, over twenty million dollars. It's going to be a lot. And you know Jamar Chase is going to get a ton. Jamar Chase isn't going to play on the Bengals for less than what the franchise tag is. He's going to want Justin Jefferson money, if not more. The thing is, they don't have to pay Jamar Chase this year, though. They they are. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying he's he's a year behind. Jefferson so in the league. The Bengals broke asses who practice in a balloon under the highway are not going to have two <laughs> wide receivers on their team. They're not going to they're not paying 60 million a year for two wide receivers. I don't think so. It's just it's not plus their quarterback is the highest paid quarterback. Yeah. I'm pretty sure or top 3 or whatever. Uh, I'm pretty I, sure he's number 1. I think he's number 1. He's definitely got he has a bigger total contract value than Deshaun Watson. Is it all guaranteed? No. Is he going to make it all? Yes. Yes. So it's one of those deals like they're, I don't know if they can tag him. He says tag and traded. So maybe, but um, somebody's got to be willing to take on that. The tag. 
which it would be somebody who needs a number one, and they're going to bring him inside into a long-term deal. Exactly. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I do. Th- I do think the Browns need another wide receiver because, I, like, I think we're going to be more wide open, more shotgun, more spread out, more motion, all that good stuff. Um, but well, we got a little bit derailed, but. Overall, and maybe we'll get Justin's thoughts one day, I think it can be a very good hire. I think the hiring of Tommy Reese uh, is we brought him in to be tight ends coach. We just brought him in because he knows offensive stuff. Yes, he's you got know. a lot of OC um, experience at the collegiate level. Notre Dame, I mean, I was looking at the stats that Notre Dame's offense put up whenever he was the OC there. And then Alabama, uh, what was it, Jalen? Is it Jalen Milrow? Yeah. That he just, I mean, he made a huge jump from a week one to the end. Jump. Yeah, that's a team that I thought, oh, they're kind of this is kind of the year they're out, and then they make the playoff. So, I, I think having Tommy Reese is an underrated signing. Having him in the building. Yep. So there's a lot of offensive firepower in terms of brain power uh, in the Browns organization now, where they can get together, get in the lab, and and work together, cook something up that brings out the best in Deshaun. Do Staley gets hired, and he, for the last two teams, has been the running backs coach and assistant head coach. I haven't seen his official title or anything. I don't know if there's going to be an assistant head coach for the Browns this season, but you know they're just bringing in so many guys that can do things, and I'm hoping a lot of that's to like alleviate Kevin to really focus on what he does well. So I actually saw uh, an interesting thing the other uh, earlier today. People were talking about how Kevin's never going to give up play calling, and somebody's like, I wouldn't. I would hold off on that. He did a, an interview in 2023 where he talked about how calling plays during the game is exhausting. And it's just like, cause you're making a decision like every 30 some seconds coming up with the play. So I think it sounded to me like if he ever found somebody that he really trusted, he would let him call plays. But also he's on the first contract. He's trying to turn a team around. You're not going to trust somebody else with your job. That's very. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You know what I mean? Good point. You're not going to trust. You're now if he gets an extension, and he and he's you know he's going to be here a couple more years. Okay, but when he's coming in to a COVID season and he's got quarterbacks who are injured and he's got a, a defense that can't stop a nosebleed for the last couple of years with Joe Woods, like he's going, I'm not. I'm not putting my job in the hands of somebody else. I know I can call plays and I know I can get us to put up points. I'm going to handle this. So I, I look for him. The longer he's here, maybe the more hands-off he'll get on game day in terms of calling plays. It's not a guarantee. That's just kind of the way I read that interview. Uh, if I can find it, I'll, I'll post it somewhere on our uh, on our socials. Yeah, so I've got – trying to see. I thought I had these videos queued up in here. Um, we were talking about Stump Mitchell and the interviews that you know he did earlier or last week i guess but there was actually did you see the clip that he had about talking about kevin and deshaun and joe flacco no at all all right let me play it and i i guess we should have tested this first i don't know if you're gonna be able to hear it but let's see deshaun watson is looking to come back from that shoulder injury and there's question marks on what he's going to look like can he put a full season together with what you've seen of him and how he's been able to work in that running backs room and how that offense wants to operate where do you see the future with Deshaun Watson on the Cleveland Browns? Well, the future with Deshaun Watson is should be similar to uh, to Joe. Deshaun is a passer. Okay, first and foremost, he is a, he's a passer. Uh, the system and, and Kevin felt real comfortable calling plays for Joe because Kevin's a hell of a play caller. You know, people constantly uh, ask the question: Should Kevin give up play calling? I think he's a hell of a play caller. I mean. He don't drop balls. He don't fumble. He don't throw interceptions. Uh, he studies his. 
off uh, in terms of knowing the situation, knowing uh, the time to call a certain place. Uh, I think that's one thing he definitely does not need to do. I mean, you take him back to Kirk Cousins, that's kind of the mindset he had uh, when, when he uh, had Joe. That's who Deshaun is. I mean, Deshaun is a runner, but he's a runner by nature. Uh, we don't have to create runs for him. Uh, of course, special situations, third zones or whatever you can do, but Deshaun is a, uh, is a passer. So, Kevin, if his game plan is like it was with, uh, with, with Joe, we'll be just fine, or the Browns will be just fine. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking, too, the whole time when things were just blowing up with Joe Flacco at the end of the season. It was like, I, I, I feel like Deshaun Watson can do this. And then when I heard Stump Mitchell, who's in the room, I practice every day with these guys. He's been there since the beginning of training, you know, all this stuff. And he's saying, look, I, I feel like Kevin was altering his offense a little bit, his play calling for Deshaun. And then Joe came in. He's like, yes, I'm much more comfortable calling for this type of quarterback. But Deshaun can do that, too. Can he? I, I mean, he <laughs> he had some big passing seasons, big passing games in Houston. It's just... A lot of his game is ad-libbing. Well, it's not necessarily ad-libbing, but it's more backyard football. It's more Patrick Mahomes-ish. Uh, so I think Deshaun needs to do a lot of studying this year, learning to play like within the structure of the offense and that kind of stuff. But no, I we've seen him make throws that you're just like, not a lot of guys can make these throws. Right, and there, I, I'm thinking of... Uh, was it the Titans game? He made a cut. He made a throw to DPJ down the sideline. Yes, where he just kind of dropped back in the pocket, went through a quick progression, and just shot the ball down the side. And I mean, you talk about putting a window. Well, and I think there's something to be said. He's even this year. I think he was. Somebody said he was the second highest passer rating in the second half of games or something like that. It's like he he doesn't come out comfortable, and, and he said it on his podcast. He I was he gonna, doesn't like scripted plays some people took it and ran with it g bush and said the first uh, 15 you know yeah you know him and kevin have a rift clickbait bullshit but uh (laughs) uh no he just was saying in general he doesn't i just don't know he just likes coming out and just like it's a free flow and i think kevin needs to adapt some of that like obviously you got to be able to play within the structure but if you can if he can play so well in the second half like just incorporate some of that style and, and play calling into the first half. It'd be great to get not have to come back from 10 or 14 down. I remember we went up to the week one game against the Bengals and I did like a stat show later that week after the game and I was looking at how many times the Browns were in play action and it was a ton. We ran so much play action and Deshaun's completion percentage was like almost perfect on play action passes. It was great. And then week two, we go to Pittsburgh and play the Steelers and the play action almost went away. Like there was very, very few. We had no running back. That's true. (laughs) But I'm just saying like... I saw that immediately this season where that play actually, like you were talking about with Joe, like that Flacco was doing in this back half of the season was like, it's working. And I feel like they kind of got away from that and it could have been like the Nick Chubb running back situation, but hopefully they study up and put together an offense. that's going to be electric this year. It's one of those things too, where the offense, let's not pretend like we didn't lose Nick Chubb, Jack Conklin, Jed Wills, Dewan Jones, you know, Ethan Posick for a game here or there, Joel Batonio for a game. What like, the offense was fighting an uphill battle from the third quarter of week one. You know what I mean? So it's very hard to fairly judge the offense as a whole when, I mean, it was 60% backups for much of the season. 
Um, so I, I'm very interested to see what they come up with on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, this season's not, this football season's not even done, and I already can't wait for next football season. Yeah, uh, to the chagrin <laughs> of my wife. <laughs> hey, Browns fans! This is your daily mental health check. If you're struggling with anything, it does not matter. It doesn't matter how big it might seem or how small you might think it is. If it's bothering you, if something's on your mind, if something is stopping you from living the fullest life you can live right now, you need to do something about it and talk therapy can be a great avenue to get yourself back on track. I'm talking about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Trust me, guys, I've been there. I know how uncomfortable it can be to go to somebody's office, sit in a chair, and talk about feelings. It's just not, it's not easy to do. And what BetterHelp is great for is giving you the options to communicate with a specialist, a therapist, a trained person, in a way that is comfortable for you. You can text message, you can give them a phone call, voice chat, face chat, like a FaceTime with your with your therapist. The options are just so much better, especially with how busy everybody is and you're moving, you're on the go. You don't always have time to schedule these appointments and get to somebody's office. BetterHelp gives you so many more options to experience all the benefits of talk therapy. If you've even been thinking a little bit about trying it, it is worth a try. And again, like I've been saying, if it's not for you, just try it for like the first month and then it, it, you just cancel. It's okay. It, it's not for everybody. But like I, I've told you, if it is for you, it can change your life. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, gets you 10% off your first month. You deserve to live the best life you can possibly live. And talk therapy could be that thing that helps you get past whatever it is you're dealing with right now. Head to betterhelp.com slash dogs to get 10% off that first month. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
So I, I you know, kind of talking about how it's we, this football season's done, I kind of want to transition to talking about these uh, championship games real quick. I think we had a voicemail from Kenny Mack we wanted to play first. Yes, we do. Let me grab that right quick. All right, here we go. Yo, guys, it is Kenny Mack, and what a great day. I am a man of my word, and I said, if the Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Baltimore Ravens, I would wear a Taylor Swift jersey for a week, and that son of a gun is in the mail right now coming to me up in Canada. But as far as the rusty, ruddish Ravens, again, they're preseason, regular season, perennial winners, and postseason losers. So, Edgar Aaron Poe, what do you got to tell me now? Our blustery buster butler, or whatever stupid shit you say, like blah, 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 we're a novelty act. Blah, blah, you won't be back in the postseason. Blah, blah, Ravens all day. Guess what, buddy? You didn't make it. We reserved you a spot in the golf course. And if you're not first, you're last with the rest of us. So, tell me again, how many MVP votes did LaFumble Jackson get? It doesn't matter because none of them said Super Bowl on him. I'm out, so suck it, Ravens. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I love that he called him Buster Bluster Ravens. That's the funniest thing when he sent that in the Discord last night. Um, I told somebody at work today, watching the Ravens lose is almost much, as much fun as watching the Browns win. Uh, there, there's, I, I, was going, I was playing some online gaming the other night, and I said my three fa- least favorite teams in all of sports – are it's the Baltimore in no particular order, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, the New Philadelphia Quakers. <laughs> Sorry if there's anybody watching from over there, and uh, and the Baltimore Ravens. Some people are like where are the Steelers? They're not in my top three. I freaking hate the Ravens. So um, just quickly, first of all, like if you're not if you weren't going to win it this year, this all I heard is this is their best team ever that Lamar's ever had. Todd Monken was supposed to be the savior. All I heard was about how good Todd Monken was. $15 million for OBJ. Everybody wants to, everybody in Baltimore wants Monken fired now. <laughs> just, just like it was Greg Roman's fault. It's all of a sudden it, right. they're talking. Now the game plan was trash, but maybe there's a reason they get to playoff time and, and things go right. Lamar Jackson postseason stats. Um, we're going to talk Lamar here. Two and four record. 1,328 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, six interceptions, only a 59% completion percentage, 72 rush attempts, 516 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, six fumbles, and a 76 rating, two two wins in his career. So they're like, yeah, we got to the AFC Championship game. You won one game. You just, you know, nobody else could beat you. We're the last team to beat you uh, in the regular season because you're, you know, admittedly, you're the regular season champs. Congrats. Every year, regular season champs. Um, just maybe don't come on and run your mouth all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, know, like we like we, we get on our our own Browns podcast, mm-hmm. and we like to talk about our team, and we hype up our own team on our own Browns podcast. <laughs> you know what? I never ever do go to a Ravens podcast and talk about how good the Browns are. You know why I wouldn't do that? Because we'd look stupid at a time like this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have better things to do with my life than spend it on a Ravens podcast. <laughs> so again, it, we, we try to tell you it, it's just, and listen, I Lamar's postseason stats are not good. I, that being said, I think I never look forward to playing him. 
He's very good, very electric, and I think he's come a long way in passing. The problem is, is if you watched that that game last night, the Chiefs, they, they do kind of like what the Browns do, is they weren't rushing to sack. They're rushing to contain. And, and Lamar has come a long way in his passing. Like from his rookie season to now, I think he's way better. Okay? But he's still, and I just don't know if he's ever going to be a high-level, consistent pocket passer. He'll make two to three throws in a game from the pocket, take his drop plant, and he'll make a throw, and you're like, holy crap. That was like, holy crap, that was a really good throw. But then there's going to be three to four to five other times where he just misses wide-open throws. And if you're a defense, especially come playoff time, you're probably a high-level defense. You're a well-coached team. You're a disciplined football team. Uh you're going to be told we'll live with giving up these two to three plays as long as we, you know, we don't get burnt for a touchdown or whatever. But if we give up two to three chunk plays on him making amazing throws, we'll live with it because we know for a fact there's going to be four or five other times where he's just going to miss wide open guys and he's going to he'll fumble or he'll press and make a bad decision. And he'll turn it over, um, and that like that is that's the monkey on his back right now. He's got a, and I just don't know if he'll ever be a high enough pocket passer to overcome that. And then for some reason, they just completely got away from what they did well. They were number one rushing team, and they had like 15 rushing attempts. The Chiefs came in with a great plan on defense. They took that away. The Chiefs, too, like, they didn't really take it away. Gus Edwards averaged like eight yards a carry or something. They just never gave him, they never gave him the ball. They, they I, I was looking at this. They, uh I would like to know how many plays they ran where Lamar dropped back. And you're right. The Chiefs did a very good job of the contain. And he couldn't he couldn't get out wide and do his thing. You know, they kept pushing him back, pushing him back, pushing him back. A lot of times he was able to get rid of the ball, throw it out of bounds. But you're, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards only had three carries <laughs> for 20 yards. What Justice Hill do? You have like three or four? Three carries for three yards. Now, Gus Edwards had a long of 15, so he had one carry for 15, then he had two more for a total of five. But three carries is not enough to get your running back in any kind of rhythm. In an entire game, what is Lamar throwing 37 times for? That's really high for him. So, and, and we tried to say, we tried to say this year, their offense was, he was throwing much more efficiently, but if you went back and you looked at a lot of his games, it was like, he's 21 of 25 for a, a buck 80. Exactly. Yep. You know what I mean? And that was getting the job done. And then you came out here and you tried to make him this, this, whatever he's not. And it, it cost you guys again. And I just don't know what to do because you, you, they, you, they just gave him a huge contract. You obviously, you can't move off of him because one, you're giving him a ton of money and two, Despite the, the 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 pitfalls to his game, I think he's a top five quarterback, like easy. Uh, and, and he's a guy like I definitely don't look forward to playing against. No. So I just don't know what they do. Like, I, I don't know what they do. You can't fight. I mean, Harbaugh's too good of a coach. You just brought in Monken. Are you going to fire him and go find somebody else who comes up with a new game plan? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where they go from here. I do know, I don't think, like offensively, they're very good defensively, and they play very hard and very very physical. And Zay Flowers looks like he's going to be pretty freaking good. Yeah, I think so. Okay. He just needs to not be so stupid. <laughs> okay. But, like, uh, their second leading receiver was Nelson Aguilar with one catch for 39 yards. Right. Aguilar is old. He's nothing. We said it at the beginning of the season when they assembled that wide receiver room. We were like, 
They so were, you're going to do a high flying passing offense with this? Yes. It, it's it's there's no outside of Lamar and Zay Flowers. There's nobody on that offense that scares you. Gus Edwards is a battering ram, and in the more carries you give him, if you're wearing a team down, he, he can run hard and he'll score touchdowns from the one for you. But he's not explosive. I mean, the, their most explosive running back was uh, the dude who got hurt, who killed us for like three carries, and they quit giving him the ball. Oh, um, Mitchell. Mitchell. Um, they they offensively outside of Lamar, they don't have in Zay. They don't really have anybody who scares you. Odell doesn't scare you anymore. Like he's a, he's a solid like possession receiver, uh, number three receiver on your team. He made so much money this year. <laughs> Yes. do nothing, which is what we said was going to happen. Yes. So I, I don't know what they do. Um, I did want to talk about for a second. We don't have to go crazy on each other, but you made a, <laughs> a, a post and I immediately saw it. And, and I've seen some people, a lot of people have agreed with you. And a some lot of people, people don't. Some people have come from my, my point of thing. You don't have to read it verbatim if you don't want to, but just kind of give the people what, like, what did you? So did the you basic up? gist of, of the post. And so I, I posted a clip when Lamar, after he threw the interception that pretty much ended the game for the Ravens and he came to the sideline and slammed his helmet down. And I posted that clip and made a comment and I'll say what it was here in a second. But I think that might've been the clip was misleading and it, it the comment was taken out of context based on the clip. And what I said was I've seen Lamar Jackson. One of the things I've been the most critical of about him throughout his career. And like you said, probably a top five quarterback in the league, definitely the most dangerous quarterback the the one I want to face the least because he can do what he can do on the ground is just and it, and it opens up passing things and all, all kinds of stuff but I just I feel like throughout his career I see him get rattled very easily in games and when he starts to get rattled he struggles to come back from it and he starts to come unglued and I've, I've seen him throwing fits and stuff on those and I'm not talking about after bad thing you know like the game is over getting upset during the game. And I, a lot of people have said, well, Tom Brady, you know, Peyton Manning, these guys have all, Pat Mahomes throws stuff and screams and stuff too. And I said, I know. But they are all able, the good quarterbacks get emotional. That's okay. It's football. But they ran it back in. They're able to refocus and recalibrate, get back on the field and find a way to win. Hence, they have Super Bowls, championships, things of that nature. And Lamar just got the ever-elusive second playoff win of his career. So my my standpoint on this was one. I immediately said, "Dude, I've seen Tom Brady break eighty-seven Microsoft surfaces in his life, and I just watched Pat Mahomes try to fight an official for the correct call." Uh, <laughs> you know, a couple months ago, um, and Peyton Manning, you know, used to freak out on Jeff Saturday and yell "Damn it, Jeff!" like mid-play and and whatnot. Uh, and you're saying like they overcome to go win. I don't think. Lamar's like temper tantrum, for lack of a better word, doesn't cause the unraveling, in my opinion. I think the his unraveling is what causes the temper tantrum. So you can say they're able to pull it back together and go win the game. They're just better. Okay? It's not like it's not like Lamar comes out, throws a, you know, throws a pick, and then like the rest of the game he's just like awful. I think he's playing bad up until that pick, and then he just continues to play bad. You know what I mean? I, mm. I've never been watching a game with Lamar where he's lighting the world on fire, and then all of a sudden he throws a pick, throws his helmet down, and is just ass the rest of the game. No, if, if he if he has a meltdown in the third quarter and throws his helmet down, it's because he's been ass up until that point, and he just can't figure it out this game, and then he just continues to suck for the rest of the game. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's 
the temper tantrum. I just think there's limits to his game. And especially if he finds himself down, I, I just talked about he's not a pure pocket passer. And right. th- that takes away his strength. You know what I mean? I, now, I do think the longer a game goes on and the longer he's struggling, he will maybe start to press more. You'll see him carry the ball looser. That's why, you know, they call him the fumble. He threw into triple coverage, even though they were moving the ball on a terrible INT. But um, I just don't think – I don't think it has anything to do with the temper tantrum. I think the temper tantrum is the cause of quarters of bad play leading up to that point. That, at least that's the way I look at it. So, and I'm trying to find – somebody left a comment. I think it was on Twitter, and now I can't find it, so I'm really sorry. But I, I responded to it, and I thought it was – he said it very well. Now I'm trying to remember what exactly he said, but – about Lamar, and I think you might have just mentioned it too, about trying to press more, trying to, and, and he's not built for that. Like he's not, and you talked about how he's just not that elite passer where if you take away what, what he likes to do and you knock him out of his comfort zone, he's not as good of a player. He's not as effective of a player. And yeah, I mean, that would be frustrating. Yep. Uh, so some people are saying I'll never show Baltimore Ravens respect. F them. Listen, I hate the Ravens. That being said, I'm not an idiot. Like they're a well-run franchise, a well-run organization. Uh, I mean, that's the most respect you'll get out of me out of them. <laughs> Doesn't I can hate them and still know that, you know, they're well-run. Uh, so now they'll never show us that same respect. So fuck them, I guess. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no love will be shown to any division rivals, period. Okay, I can I can side with that. Uh, so then I wanted to talk about the other game real quick. We got, you know, five, ten minutes here before we wrap it up. Uh, I get, Actually, real quick, before we move on, I talked about the Chiefs. I talked about Pat Mahomes. Is he the GOAT already? Man. Um, and how does winning the Super Bowl versus losing it change that? Because if he loses, he's 2-2, two and two, but if he wins, I believe it'll be 3-1 and one in Super Bowls. Uh, no, I'm going to say I don't think he's the GOAT already just because what Brady did over decades. I mean, just decades of dominance. He's got the numbers, the records, the Super Bowl wins. But of this era, of this new generation of quarterbacks, I don't know if anybody will ever be able to match what Mahomes is doing. And he's not, he's young. He's still got like half a career left. God knows what this kid's going to do. Devontae Travis says no. My pushback to this will be, um, says he's on his way to goatness. If he, especially if he wins this, and he, you know, first of all, every year he's been a starter, he's been in the AFC Championship game. He's going to most likely dwarf all the passing numbers if he plays. Bro, long as long enough. as he stays healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as he stays healthy. Yep. Um, if, if, he, if he retired... Before we even played this Super Bowl, he'd go to the Hall of Fame, I think, first ballot. Oh, that's true. Okay. Um, so I, I think he's what I don't know. It, it's almost like the you can't call like Tom Brady Bill Russell. I saw Cowherd and Nick Wright try to say this because Tom Brady has all the records. You know what I mean? Like, like some people won't call Bill Russell the goat because he, you know, he has like 11 championships, but he didn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't have any like the top scoring records and stuff like that. And he played in an easier era. Well, you can't say that about Tom Brady he played through, you know, three eras and he has all the passing records. So you, you can't call him Bill Russell. I don't know if I'll call him a Holmes. I will say he's the best quarterback I've ever watched. Okay. That's yeah. but his bot in order to be considered the goat first, the body of work has to still be there. I think if he, if he wins, I don't think he has to get to seven. I mean, if, if honest to God, if, if Pat Mahomes gets to three, 
doesn't win anymore, but he keeps putting up 4,500 yards. And yeah, I, I think he'll I be. I think that's it's important to define GOAT because if you're going by numbers, then no, of course not. I mean, he's not even close to Brady's numbers yet because he hasn't played nearly as long. But if you're talking about quarterback impact on the field, maybe. I mean, Pat Mahomes is able to do things that, I, like you just said, best quarterback ever seen. I've never seen any quarterback be able to do the things he does. I mean, he but, is. Like, Devon, I can't stand this argument. Take away reading Kelsey, can he win? By calling him the GOAT, you're saying he's better than Brady. He's a physically gifted, better quarterback than Tom Brady. It's also like saying for Brady, well, okay, take away Belichick and Julian Edelman or Randy Moss. Yes. I mean. Go, go find me the quarterback who's had a lot of success with bad coaches and bad players. There, <laughs> there really he, aren't any. Tom Brady played for the arguably the best football coach of all time for 20 of his years. Right. Look at in his first three Super Bowls, he was essentially a game manager that had the best defense in the league every single year. Like you can't take away. So he has in order to be the go, he has to play with no coaches and no players. <laughs> I just That's this a was a, this was a down year. Yeah. This was a down. This was supposed to be the year that they were vulnerable. Their offense was shot. Kelsey's been beat up. They have the worst wide receiver core in all of football, and he just took them to another Super Bowl. Like he's. If they get a receiver. Well, the thing, the scary thing is I think that Rasheed Rice is, is turning into a hell of a receiver yes, for them. And they're going to pair somebody else with them. And that's the thing. Like he's more of, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a speed guy, but man, he's big body, sure handed kind of a possession receiver. He's tough. They get like a, a quick route runner that can get open in space. Holy yeah. crap. Like it's just the, the Super Bowl is going to go through Kansas city for a long time. As long as he's there. Yep, and so... That's why we have Deshaun Watson. Correct. And that's why the move was made two years ago when they did it. All right, so let's blow through this real quick. Five more minutes. Do you all think Callahan will be here or wind up with his son in Tennessee? I think he's going to stay here. That's he's, kind of what it seems like. I've heard the Browns are very defensive of him. I'm not saying they would block him from going, but they, they very much value having him in the building, and he's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the league. And I think if he was... You'd be already hearing rumblings about him leaving. He would be one of the first hires. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think he's going to stay here, which is is big. I'm excited for that. Yes. Um, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, we'll just do this real quick. The NFC Championship game. Uh, Lions, man, I feel for them. If there's a team I was, I was, I was rooting for the Ravens to lose, and I don't even hate the 49ers, to no. be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. I actually am a big Brock Purdy defender. Um, I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. I've been high on him since he was at Stanford and, um, I love Nick Bosa. Uh, so I'm not mad to see the Niners get their shot at the the championship, but I was pulling for the lions. No doubt. If if there's a fan base I identify with in this league, it's the lions and the bills. Right. Okay. (laughs) Um, and, and I just, I thought it was a really cool. I'm a huge Dan Campbell fan. Uh, I have been since they hired him. So, but he's catching a lot of heat in terms of his aggressive uh, approach to the football game. Where do you, where do you chat? Where do you guys stand on um, basically the way the decisions he made that led to that game? All right. We got got five minutes here. So do you off the top of your head, do you remember what the score was when they opted to go for it the first time? Uh, I think they could have made it. Was it 14 to seven? They could have made it a three-score game at one point if they kicked a field goal. Okay, because I remember thinking that they were in a similar position as the Chiefs, where the Chiefs were up 14-7, to I believe, and could have made it 17-7 to with a field goal. They went for it on fourth down. 
didn't get it. And I obviously I'm not a fan of either of these teams, so like it, no skin off my back. I don't mind going for it like in that situation. You know, it's let's be aggressive. Let's see if we can get up another touchdown here. Let's keep pushing the ball. We're, you know, impress and do that kind of thing. But when it doesn't work and then you get in position to do it again, that's where I would probably opt to go ahead and take the more sure three score lead because, and I told you today, I said the, the thing that's hilarious to me about the, the Lions is they declined to take three points three times and they lost by three points. My pushback to that is if they decided to kick the field goal, the refs wouldn't have just said, okay, it's good, you get three points. And their kickers. No, oh, they got to make it. I and understand. And their kicker is not good. If you don't have confidence in your kick, like there's a lot of factors that go into what a, a coach, when he makes these kinds of decisions, it's not just ah, screw it. We're just going to go for it this time. Their kicker. I'm pretty sure their, their kicker has been cut like a bunch of times. Uh, he's not very good. And this is kicking in a dome. This is out. And I know the weather is fine, but it's still, um, and I think like the league, even the league average from 48 plus or something is only 70%. So it's not like at least that last one, it's not a guarantee that he makes it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, two, th- and this was my big thing here. Dan Campbell takes over this team and changes the culture. Without Dan Campbell, he believes in his guys. He's going to go down fighting with his best players on the field. He shows belief in them. And that's why they bought in and why that's why they went from one of the worst teams in you know football history to playing in the NFC championship game three years later. You can't, you can't change who you are, what got you to the big game, just because now it's the big game. You can't all of a sudden change your identity. Um, that, that, that culture you just spent three years building, you throw it out the window in one game. What happens if, uh, what happens if he calls, calls for them to take the points? They miss. And then now all offseasons, oh, coach quit believing us. Biggest, biggest time of the year, coach didn't believe in me anymore. He's been trusting me all year to go for it on fourth down out here putting it on me now now got to the biggest game he didn't trust me anymore right that, that just that all of a sudden you're you everything you just built for three years is fractured and i was looking at it and again i'm not dan campbell he, he is a different breed and it's working i was looking at it as okay tried it the first time didn't work my offense is moving the ball pretty well against the 49ers we're, we're not having too much trouble here we're going to get back in position and then the next time it happens I definitely, I, I, I can say I probably for sure would have said, let's just go ahead and get the three here, tack on some points, because again, we're moving the ball. We're going to get more opportunities, I, especially being the road team. That being said, I probably would have kicked the field goals. <laughs> okay, so that's fair. But, but, I can, but I can defend him not kicking them. Because it's, yeah, well, and again, we talked about it in the Dallas game real quick, the one on the one episode. I said, man, I thought that was gr- like going for it to take the win at the very end there was great. That was awesome. And then they get the penalty and they get moved back and moved back. And it's like, now I would just go ahead and kick the extra point and go to overtime because your odds of, of converting that just dropped. They got screwed so bad. In that they game. did. They got totally screwed, uh-huh. but you're right. It is on, on brand. That, um, but yeah, so I just, I, I understand the decision. I support the decision. I can get behind. Why did it again? You can't just all of a sudden change who you are. Um, in the big game. That's what got you there. You got to go with your strength. Um, I had another thing I was going to say. I don't remember what it was. You're having yeah. trouble with this tip of the tongue stuff. Today, I know. Well, well, like, cause I have something and then we start talking and I think about <laughs> other things. I've had five concussions, man. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> the CTE is setting. In. Yeah. So 
But no, I, I felt for the Lions. I was pulling for them. But uh, I think they'll be back. They, the NFC is not as is uh, much of a gauntlet. But still, a twenty-four to seven lead. You know what I mean? Just that, this is what uh, I was going to say. They had this lead, and despite not taking the points and whatnot, they were still up huge. Okay, and in him not taking those points didn't. Call, I mean, Brock Purdy threw a touchdown pass off the defender's face. You know what I mean? And Brandon Ayuk catches the deflection for a touchdown, uh, and then almost like a minute later, what was it? Detroit fumbled. And gave them the ball right back, and they scooped and scored. Yeah, or scored right. Yeah, you know, what I mean? that's a fourteen point swing that you're not probably taking into account when you decided to go for it on fourth down. Like you're like, well, even if I don't get this, my defense is playing really well. Devonta even said in here, like there was that play later in the game where they were trying to convert a fourth down to keep moving the ball to go score. Jared Goff hit Reynolds right in the hands, yeah, and he just dropped it. So I, I think I think he he's gonna get questioned. And scapegoated a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think if you go ask the players, they're the the players in that locker room are happy Dan Campbell went to go for it. They're going to say we didn't execute properly uh, to get the job done. Nobody yeah. in that locker room is going. I wish I wish DC would have kicked the the field goal. Maybe the kicker is, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> but other than that, like those guys, they like the fact that the coach put it on. Them. I mean, I, I you show me an offensive guy who on fourth and less than five isn't saying, let us go for it. Let us go for it. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how competitors are. So of course, yeah, the players are going to, they're going to be behind the decisions. It's, it's more so the fan base. Yes. You know, but I'm sure they're not as, as thrilled, but Lions fans, I felt for you. We're here for you. If you guys need this Hawk, we were pulling <laughs> for you guys. Yes. Uh, well, we went, we went over a little bit. We had a lot. We kind of wanted to cover. Uh, we wanted to jump into the, the Dorsey hiring and obviously championship games and stuff like that uh, make sure you guys head to the dogpodcast.com slash vote get your uh votes in for the mad dog awards uh next episode we're obviously going to do uh present the mad dog awards and then obviously talk super bowl uh so make sure you guys please vote and then make sure you guys tune in next week to see who won it's always a fun episode we got fun screen effects and sound effects and sometimes we throw on suits it's just it's a good time <laughs> so uh make sure you guys tune in for that by heading in again vote at the dogspodcast.com slash vote we appreciate you guys being here spending time with us on a monday night even though the brown season is done you guys are still coming here hanging out with us in the chats we appreciate it we appreciate your guys's input uh make sure you guys go follow us on all the socials make sure you guys are liked and subscribed here on youtube and uh if you want to hang out with us in the uh during the week and uh into this off season head to join the dogs.com become an official dog pack member once again we appreciate you guys being here and we will see you guys all next week Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.